Welcome to episode 205 of the Apple and Apps and App Addict Weekly Podcast. This is your host, Trevor Sheridan of AppleAndApps.com, and joining me as usual is my co-host, Brett Nolan of AppAddict.net. Join us this week as we try to flap past infamous games and really bad new releases. How are you doing today, Brett? I'm doing pretty good, although these aren't really bad new releases, but... No, we're trying uh, to flap past But we're trying... Yes. (laughs) So, oh, we're trying to flap past the bad ones. I get it. I see what you mean. Yes, we're only going to concentrate on those good ones. So you'll just hear our wings going when we go by the bad ones. And we're in that time of year where there's not the most Apple news because, honestly, Apple is really focusing on pretty much one month of the year for an event, and the rest (laughs) of the calendar year isn't that eventful. Well, we know something's coming this month as long as they're sticking to their schedule for those AirPods. It's just they haven't actually announced the official release date yet. I'm guessing it's going to be these last-minute kind of quiet announcements. I don't know if it's just because of production that they're trying to ramp up production before they release them or if they have problems or, or what. Maybe they're giving themselves time to catch up on the iPhone 7 production. Yeah, maybe, because now with the, uh, the black... 7 Plus is available in retail stores. So uh, if you had waited and didn't pay a fortune on the internet, which you didn't need to, then you can get it now. Yep. And so there are plenty of apps to hold us over until maybe October 27th, maybe October 25th, somewhere around that last week of October, right before we get into Halloween. We might get some new Macs, those AirPods, maybe something else, who knows, an event, not an event, a silent press release. (laughs) We'll talk about it whenever it happens at that time. Yep. And so for apps, there's Yahoo View, which is interesting because Yahoo is making headlines because the whole 500 million accounts have been hacked. But they still have, you know, their own kind of quality things. Like people are like, oh, who still uses Yahoo? Well, I might not use Yahoo for mail, but they still offer some services that are valuable. And one is just the way they gather together video clips and just make it really easy to stream video. They had an app that was just Yahoo Video, and it had their own created content, that which included Community Season 6, as well as Other Space and... Yeah, that that space show was awesome. Yeah. It had the AT&T girl that you've probably seen in all of the, the AT&T ads. It was a really funny. And and uh, he was also the cab driver in Deadpool. Yeah, Dopinder. Yep. Dopinder, yeah. yeah. So that was a really funny show. They had a basketball, owning a basketball spoof, whatever that was called. Oh, yeah, I don't remember what that was called. Yeah. And so that app is no longer in the App Store, but now there's Yahoo View. And this app, it goes... It doesn't have that original content, but it combines all the clips from like Saturday Night Live or late night TV like Jimmy Fallon or Jimmy Kimmel. And then there's also anime clips as well as other clips from animated shows like The Simpsons or Family Guy. And you also have news clips. So it's all these various clips and it's based on sections at the top of the app. You simply swipe vertically to see popular or celebrity or news or late night and then you just have a scrolling list as thumbnails you tap on one that might be interested in the videos playing and so rather than watching like a whole episode of saturday night live you simply tap one button and you're watching like the cold open from last week or whatever the case may be 
Right, and they actually have—I'm not into anime, but they actually have a whole anime section here too, where it looks like you actually have full episodes as well. And so, the one thing Yahoo has done really well is to make good apps, like apps that just perform well. They're designed really intuitively, and just the flow of the apps works so well. I still use that Yahoo News update every single day, and. This one is nice because it's all the clips that you would normally see people sharing on Facebook or maybe you don't use Facebook. And so you want to see what the popular little clips from the late shows last night or Saturday Night Live, what were the actual decent skits, then you can go ahead and just launch this app. You can set up notifications and it will show you all these clips and you can just quickly find them all in one place and not have to like search a Facebook feed to try to find them or just hope that someone shares this funny stuff. It's all right there for you. And then you just watch it whenever you have time. And then there's also trailers. So you could watch the new Rogue One trailer, for example, or just get lost in watching trailers with all those other videos. So rather than having a distinct trailers app, it's just a section of a place that you go to watch other streaming video. Right. And they even have just like a best of section. If you just want to see what are supposedly, I don't know how they rank them, like if it's by views or, or what, but there's even like a best of section within the app that you can just pop to. And then you're going to see what are theoretically the best of these clips that are out there. Yep, so that's Yahoo View. It's free, it's universal, and it's always good to have some free video to go through. Yep, especially short little things just to fill time. And so that means we'll transition to new games, and there's some really just fun titles, no matter how you slice it. They're fit very different genres, but they own, each one has their own kind of particular appeal. And the first one's Infamous Machine, and this is a port over from Steam PC release, and it's a point-and-click adventure game that's high on humor where essentially you have this scientist who's created a time machine. He didn't get any recognition for that time machine. And so he's gone back in time to essentially replace famous people with himself. So he went back and painted the Mona Lisa by himself. Now he's pushed uh, Beethoven out of the way to then make his own kind of classical music. So... You are playing as his inept kind of lab assistant who needs to go back in time and stop him and put the course of time back on track. Yeah, So, and the reason he didn't get any kind of recognition is because for some reason he decided to make his time machine shaped like a shower stall. So it kind of got in the footnotes of history, this little t time machine that he created, no one thought it looked that cool, so he didn't really get credit for it. So yeah, now he's stealing credit for all of these other inventions and you have to go back and try and correct the wrong things. The problem is because he's changed time in the past, you don't know exactly what you need to do. So you don't remember what Beethoven's Fifth Symphony even sounds like. And so you kind of have to correct things, but you don't have all the knowledge that in some of these like time travel type stories, you still kind of remember what happened in the past and you know what you need to fix. This one, he's kind of inept, although he has these moments of brilliance and he's just kind of stumbling along. He has someone back in current time who he can radio that kind of gives him little checks in on him. And usually something horrible has just happened whenever she happens to call in. And like you said, this is like super humorous, like all of the dialogue, all the references, it's all modern and things that you're going to get, things you're going to laugh about. And I, I was just chuckling the whole time through just with some of the, the references, little pop culture references they have and just the 
jokes and the you want to listen to all of this dialogue as it's going through because it's just super funny and it just makes the story that much more enjoyable as you're going through it. Yeah, they they did a really good job of making each piece of dialogue worth going through. So even if you're just exploring around for the clues of the given scene, it makes you want to tap on everything just because there's some funny little saying that's tied to each situation. And then the game gives you a whole bunch to tap on and explore. It does that classic point-and-click adventure style where you're just going to move around and try to find anything that you can keep in your backpack, and then you have to figure out how all those items are going to piece together to make it forward. And if you're... So you can just kind of randomly tap, but you can also hold your finger, and then each hot spot in the scene is going to appear. So that... You know, we talked about Primordia, where it always showed you the hot spots. This game kind of gives you that option where they're not always there, but you can always bring them up in case you are stuck and unsure what you can and cannot interact with. Yeah, and one of the nice ways that they set this up, too, is when you're holding your finger down, instead of them all just kind of lighting up all at once, and it's kind of overwhelming, they kind of almost do a wave across the current scene that you're in. And they start from the left and you start to see them appear. And then the next ones appear. And so you see them slowly all appear. So it's not just this overwhelming flow of dots on the screen everywhere. Uh, it just kind of had like almost like a rhythm to it as it goes. And and one of the other things that they do as far as the humor goes is they break that fourth wall every once in a while. And he'll, he'll make references about storing things in his backpack and just, Things like that make fun of the whole point and click adventure genre where you know the if you play enough of these games, you know that he's putting in like lit candles in his backpack and like stuff that you wouldn't normally put in a backpack. But because it's an adventure game, you just stick anything in that backpack and it can hold whatever you happen to put in it. Yeah, the Cobra, the lit candle, whatever it might be. <laughs> and then you also just have... I mean, the game is really balanced well in terms of difficulty, so it never feels like you're truly stumped, but you're always consistently challenged. It's always not clear where you need to go, but you can figure it out because it gives you a set number of scenes to explore. So you just try to find everything you possibly can and then just think how all of the different items you've collected go together. Like you'll need a jacket to get into the bar, but how do you get that jacket? Well, you need to get into the theater but to do that you need a ticket so then you have to figure out the way to get the ticket and then you just start going all in that classic style but then it has all these modern references and modern design yeah i mean the graphics in themselves are beautiful they're like these beautiful cel-shaded art style and there's uh, there's a whole bunch of original music in it as well and just the everything is presented in such like that classic style, but it feels modern. Like everything is clean, crisp, easy to read. I did notice every once in a while there were a couple of times where the trigger points of where I need to tap, I didn't quite, it didn't quite recognize where I was tapping and I had to adjust. But for the most part, it just worked seamlessly. And and like you said, you're you're going through in that classic style, just picking up things, keep on going back and forth between locations, trying different combinations of things, trying to combine different items you picked up and then every once in a while you might just happen to stumble upon a solution to something or you these 
neurons will fire in your head and you're like, oh, I know what I got to do with this thing. And then you make your way back and you're like, I saw that thing way over on that screen. I know I can use that on that and that's going to help. And so I, I'm trying to be spoiler free. Uh, <laughs> and so then you'll go and do that. And then it just I, like you said, it's a constant challenge, but it's never overwhelming. Like you feel like I am so stuck. I'm not making any further. And they've they've done a really nice job of chunking the game up into these four parts. So there's three main parts and then kind of just like an end part. But when you save like it's constantly saving for you. But when you exit out to the main menu, it'll tell you exactly what percentage you are done that particular chapter in the game. So you're never wondering like, oh, well, how much more do I have left of this one before he'll move on to the next location? You know, because it tells you right there that you're 78% done or 20% done. So that kind of gives you an idea of maybe there's a lot more things to find or maybe I just need to find one more item and that's going to basically trigger all the rest of the things I need to do in this level. So it's a good kind of gauge that helps you along if you do get stuck you can kind of see well how much really do i have left yeah they've just really done a good job i mean even the interface itself it's decluttered it's made with touch in mind as you have just tapping on different items and there's not a constant menu on the screen you have the backpack in the upper right corner you tap on that to open up your backpack and then you tap on an item from your backpack to then tap on the scene so nothing's ever cluttered you're not dragging and dropping things it's just really easy clear taps and it lets you make it through the whole game without ever kind of being tripped up yeah and it'll remind you not to drag every time you yes. try to drag anything it was like you do not need to drag you just tap and tap again and so that's the infamous machine it's 4.99 it's universal and if you're even remotely interested in point and click adventure games this is a really good one. Oh yeah highly highly recommend this and so up next is flappy golf 2 Hopefully you're familiar with the original. It comes from Noodle Cake, and it takes the idea of Flappy Bird, and it puts it on Noodle Cake's most well-known game, Super Stickman Golf. So there's been three Super Stickman Golfs, so they have a lot of courses to make. And so instead of knocking the ball through the course in that arcade golf style, you essentially get to fly the bird to the hole. So you simply tap on the left or right side of the screen to flap in that direction and each flap counts as a stroke and so you want to use as few flaps as possible to get to the hole. Each hole is going to have a three-star scoring system or a gold, silver, and bronze based on how few flaps you possibly take. And then there's also online multiplayer as well as local multiplayer for the race mode which builds on the same style but you don't have to worry about strokes it's just the first to the finish line and it's just like from super stickman golf but now you're using the flat mechanic right yeah so these are all like the same courses that you see in super stickman golf 3 and so they've taken all those kind of courses and now you play them this completely different way and the the cool thing is you learn kind of to finesse these flaps when you're trying to do the saving of strokes. And so you're just trying to find the best way, like the perfect timing for flaps just to get them there and then slide them into the hole. Like, so if you can land the ball on the green, it'll kind of keep on sliding in the direction it was going. And maybe you can save one, one flap or one stroke and get that gold. Otherwise you try to learn to finesse a little bit more just to shave off those strokes. But really the fun, like I like the single player in this game, but it's really, really the that race mode that's where the frenetic 
like fast action is and you're playing against up to four other uh, up to three other people so you have four people all trying to get their balls into the hole at once and now this is where you're going to try to figure out faster paths way like what should i avoid what should i try to use to my advantage and then you're trying to land it on the green because once you're on the green you if you flap you kind of just slide on the green kind of like in the the super stickman golf where you don't get any air once you're on the green you kind of just roll the ball and if you can land your ball on the green now when you're flapping you're sliding left and right and that's how you can kind of race to the hole and beat the other people who are kind of just trying to flap their way into the correct location and so it becomes this super tight race at the end because everyone will land and then they're trying to flap furiously to get their ball to slide into the hole but you might over flap and then you kind of go over the hole and then you got to go back the other direction and so it's just a it's a really tense race and then what happens is the uh, they award you based on your position of how you did on that hole and then you get these eggs which can be used to purchase other uh ball shapes so you might look like an eight ball or you might look like i don't know like uh i don't remember what else there was but there's all different uh different styles you can have on your ball to give it a little personality for future matches or while you're playing solo play the game it's a lot like the original it doesn't you know reinvent the formula but that is a good thing because super stickman golf it and Flappy Golf, they're such differently played games, even though you're playing on the same exact course. It's just a whole different idea because you can take completely different paths to the hole when you're flapping versus when you're hitting the ball off the tee. And that makes you think of these holes completely differently. And the game, it doesn't... like Arcade Golf has a very kind of physics puzzle style, and this never feels that. It's more of kind of this action performance-based game. Right, right, yeah. It's just fast action. You don't really even think. You're more reacting than thinking. Like, you're just trying to get your guy over there. It, there is some thought because you want to try to, before that, that go starts and, like, everyone's off to the races, you're trying to kind of calculate the best direction to get over there before your other players. And you do learn tricks over time. Like, one of the, the courses they keep on having me do is gravity course. And so I noticed some tricks that people were using to try to slide through this one section that kind of pushed you toward a wall. And I, I saw how they were doing it. I'm like, oh, that's how they're going to beat me. And then the next time I played that that course, I knew exactly what to do in that hole in order to beat all the other guys that didn't have a clue that I was playing against. So you do start to learn these new tips and tricks, but they're like you said, they're not going to be the same tips and tricks you're going to use when you go and play super, super stickman golf on these same holes because it's not going to help you there. This is like a totally different way to play. And I like that they separate it out into a different app and not just make this another mode within super stickman golf because because then it just kind of gets kind of bloated and it's t this is like if you want a quick fast action game that has a sort of golf thing to it, you would go to this. If you want arcade golf, you would go to St Super Stickman Golf. So uh, they are definitely separate games and they deserve to have these separate apps. They could add a different mode in Flappy Golf, which was time based where it's like race mode, where it doesn't matter how many flaps you take, you just try to get in the hole as quick as possible. Kind of like a oh, speed true. run. Oh, yeah. true, yeah. Oh, yeah, that would be kind of neat. Yeah, and then you could see a ghost maybe of your previous runs. Yeah, yeah. that would be kind of cool if they did do a, a speed mode. Because yeah, it seemed like sometimes 
the flap requirements were nearly impossible to get the gold on some of these levels. I mean, I tried different oh, yes. ways through it. It was crazy how, I mean, it kind of got frustrating because it's really tough to be super precise when you're trying to land around the green, especially on the holes that don't, like they have floating platforms. You notice that in race mode where you're in this floating platform kind of thing and you just can't seem to get that proper land. But then you go back and think it's like Flappy Bird and Flappy Bird, the main idea is that you can't control the bird. So building Flappy Golf like that, that's kind of the result. Right, right. Yeah, I, I definitely agree. Some of them I don't I do not see how you could possibly get gold, but I assume someone did it if they have it there. But I, yeah, I don't know. And so that's Flappy Golf 2. It's free, it's universal, and just fun, action-packed gameplay. Yep. And then there's Really Bad Chess, which takes the core idea of chess and gives you a random layout of pieces. So rather than the front row of pawns and then having your usual setup of castle, knight, bishop, queen, king... You could have anything in any of the spots. So you could have four queens on the back row. Your front could be a combination of knights and bishops. And so can the computer opponent. And you need to have all new ideas of strategy. So it takes, you need to kind of know that your knight moves in the L shape or your bishop moves diagonally. But once you know kind of just the basics of chess, it gives you a whole different type of strategy because every single move, there's a lot of danger for your pieces as well as a lot of attack options because it seems like every piece you could possibly move into a check position. Right. To me, this is like I got so sick of chess. I am horrible at chess and I hate playing chess. And the biggest and most annoying part of chess is just the beginning because you're slowly moving those pawns. And, you know, if you're playing against someone who has happens to know chess, you know that they know some named move of what they're moving. And it's just a matter of moves, a very few moves before I do something stupid and then they win. Where this now it's the the playing field is kind of level because no one knows what they're going to have. You don't know what kinds of pieces they're going to have or where they're going to be. And it's like almost jumping into the good stuff right away. Yes, everything's in those back two rows, but you finally have like all kinds of crazy good pieces in the front row or maybe you have pawns in the back row. Like, but it's totally different. And it now you can use like the basic skills, you know, of just how the pieces move. And it just makes for a much more interesting game where it just feels different every time. And you're not tied to like having an encyclopedia knowledge of ex all these special board layouts in order to win. No, no one, no one can memorize this because it's all randomized. And now you can just play and not have to worry about the person you're playing against. Yeah, it lets you get to the good stuff right off the bat. And then that traditional board has been played so many different times, so many different ways. Like you said, there's a name for almost every type of move you could possibly pull off to win. And so just going through the motions of that, where you have to move these two pawns out and then you slide the bishop and then that frees the queen. And I don't really, I mean, I know some of the moves, but it's much funner to just get right into it and start throwing the bishops forward. You're already <laughs> in their front row, but you have the rook backing it up. And so you start just kind of going crazy with potential moves. And then they set it up so there's a rank system where if you win, you face a tougher board where you're given less good 
pieces and the opponent's given better pieces. Or if you lose, then you'll but like get more queens and stuff and they'll have less queens and so you have to kind of deal with that board. And then there's also a daily mode which gives you a different board to play where everyone plays the same board and then you try to do it in the fewest amount of moves and then the same thing for a weekly board. Right, and with the daily board, you only have, I think, two attempts at it. And I have lost every daily board since this launch until right before we recorded. And in 55 moves, I finally beat a daily board. Like, it was crazy. They made a really dumb move, and then I ended up winning. But, uh, yeah, it's I, I love that it's just so different. When you see that whole front row filled up with no pawns and all kinds of crazy good pieces, then you really want to play. And and like you said, like I love how they do that where if you lose to like uh, to a board and then they give you something better to try to help your confidence again, and then it's constantly balancing itself to based on your win-loss record. And it's just a fun way to play because then you're never going to be so overwhelmed and you're never going to be not challenged. So it's it's a great balancing mechanism that, that Zach Gage decided to use in this game. Yeah, he's made like Spell Tower and... Uh, he was part of Ridiculous Fishing, yeah. and then he just recently did that Sage Solitaire. Oh, yeah, I guess Sage not Solitaire. recently. It was a it was a year ago. I, I looked it up. Like I couldn't believe that was that long ago. Yeah, that was a nice new take on Solitaire, and now he has a nice new take on chess where even if you're not familiar with chess, once you get that basic ideas of the way the pieces move, you can just dive in and fully enjoy this game because they'll – it lets you kind of progress gracefully because it has that rank system where it will make it easier at the start. And then if you win, it becomes tougher. If you lose, it becomes easier. So you can always feel like you have a shot at winning because it will get, you know, the procedurally generated difficulty curve based on your performance. But then as you do get better, you have this consistent challenge that might make you more compelled to play chess than you would with that traditional board. Say you're not familiar with that traditional board at all. This might make chess a more compelling idea to get into from the ground up. See, I don't know that I could go back now. Now that yeah. now that you have like such interesting layouts, I don't know that I could go back. Yep, I definitely agree with that. Yeah, and well, the nice thing about the game, too, is if you just want to try it, it's absolutely free to try. The only thing they have for in-app purchases is a $0.99 cent in-app purchase where you can buy undos. So, like, say you want to be able to undo your move and not have to, like, start a whole match over again because you made a, a dumb mistake that's going to end up causing a lose. You can you get, I think, 20 for free. And then I think if you do the daily mode, you might earn some as well. But uh, otherwise, you can buy video ads too. Oh, you can watch video ads for them. Okay, yeah. So, or you can buy them, and then you get pay like nine nine cents. I think you get a hundred of them, or you can purchase this one other unlock full game unlock, and it gives you like another night color mode. It gives you one other feature, and then it gives you a whole bunch of unlocks. I don't uh, uh, undos, and I don't know if there's going to be other features it's going to unlock in the future. It gets rid of the ads, I think, as well. Uh, but otherwise, um, it's free to try it. You might as well go ahead and try it because this is the chess that you know, or maybe you don't know. All you gotta do is know how those pieces move and then you can just jump right in and it just feels more modern and fun than chess has ever felt. Except for maybe battle chess where you're at Archon, where you're actually fighting like for the square once you battled it out. 
that was actually really fun. But just against basic chess, this wins hands down for me. Yeah, this is like a more arcade take on chess. Yes. And so that's really bad chess. It's free. It's universal. And then just one last one I wanted to mention is, of course, another digital board game. And this one's called Red 7. And it's a card game that was released back in 2014. And it's a unique card game because what you have are these cards that have multiple uses. And so there's seven colors in the game. There's red all the way down through like a purplish color. And those are hierarchical. So like a red will always uh, so the the cards are numbered one through seven so if you're trying to play the highest card then a red seven uh will beat a seven of any other color or the next level down is orange so a red uh, an orange would then beat all of the colors below it and so basically the way the game works is at the end of your turn you have to be winning the game or you lose so what you do is you play cards to one of two spots. So the card has both a color and a number on it. And so it, when you play the the card to the section of that sets the rule, the card so like you start out with the rule being the highest card. And so you can change that rule to something like uh, I have the most cards under uh, under the number four, or I have the most cards of the same number. And so what you're doing is you're playing cards to your little common area where you play the numbers, and then you play the the color rule to another section. So on your turn, you could play one card just to your number section that helps you now be the winner in that that rule that whatever the current rule happens to be or you can just change the rule so that you're the winner again but whatever you do you have to be the winner at the end of your turn or you you have to give up and then you drop out for that current game or round depending on how you're playing and then maybe if you're only playing against one other person they win or it goes on to the next player does that make any sense yeah okay uh, but yeah, so I have the physical card game, and I, I played it originally, I tried it out at PAX East uh, in 2015, and I it's it's a little, to, it's kind of hard to wrap your head around initially, but the nice thing about what this app lets you do is when you're playing, you can throw the cards in there and then try things out, and if it if it's invalid and it's not going to make you the winner, you can undo it and then you can try something else. So you get to keep on trying new combinations of colors and cards that you're playing out to be able to see if you're going to win or not. And then you'll know for certain because it's doing all that error checking for you, where if you have to kind of do this in your head, sometimes it requires a little extra thought. But the game itself has uh, not only it has an interactive tutorial to get you going. You can play single player against uh, any number of, I think, up to four AI players. And it allows you to have uh, pass and play for locally amongst people or you can also um play with all of the advanced rules of the physical card game as well so you can add in something where you're playing to a certain number of points there's another rule that you can add in where you can you draw cards after you play cards and so there's all these advanced rules that you can toggle them individually there's three different advanced rules you can have them all on you can have any one of them on you can have two of them on so it's nice that you can mix and match them in as you start to learn the basic game more and more you can 
put on all these advanced rules and then play the full game as you as you want to. And so, I mean, I'm just looking like at the screenshots and stuff. It looks like Uno when I'm staring at it. <laughs> kind of. I mean, it's I'd almost equate it to a mix of Uno and Flux because the rule can always change. Yeah. Uh, but the fact that you can only change the rule if it's going to make you the winner is different because you could just change the rule to kind of uh, ruin the game for the guy, the next guy in line from you. But if you're not going to be the winner, it doesn't let you change that rule. So sometimes you might be hoping that the person before you is going to change the rule because there's no way you could win the current rule. Uh, and maybe you don't have the cards to change it to a rule that you can win on, or you're just hoping that everyone else like er, gets out before it's your turn again. So then you win that round. And so it's, it's a neat, it's a real change in like how you have to think about the game because these multi-use cards, like, do you want to play this four as a four and win like highest number currently, or is that color on that card, a rule that you really want to keep around to be able to play later. So you really have to think about because of the, the multi-use cards, you really, you don't want to get rid of a card based solely on one aspect of it when it could really help you down the line. Like you might have one, a, a, um, say you have like a green card, which lets you do even cards and you have a whole ton is the rule. You win if you have the most even cards. And so you have a whole ton of even numbered cards in your hand. You kind of probably want to hold on to that, play some of your even number cards into your, onto the board. So that way, uh, you have the mo maybe the most number of even cards and then change the rule to green. So now you're the winner. And then hopefully no one else ha either can change the rule to something they can win on or they'll never get enough even cards because you played a whole bunch of them out. So it's a, you really kind of have to plan ahead. But at the same time, you're going to have to just react to whatever gets changed around you to try to make yourself the winner. Makes sense. And so... Does it compare favorably to the actual physical version? Oh yeah, yeah, they did a they did a really nice job, and they're actually one of the th options that you can go to is they it looks like they're going to put in the classic look of the cards. So they changed up the cards. I like how they laid out the board. So there's always this reminder over on the left side that always tell you the hierarchical nature of those colors. So you never have to think about well if he's got like a an orange six, what can be an orange six? You just look over and you see all those colors over the side, and you know that exactly what the order is and then on every card they have little symbols on them they tell you exactly what the that rule is so like you'll see a little thing in the corner that tells you what a red rule is what an orange rule is and and then also just with the board the whole board changes color when the rule changes so you can easily tell what the current rule is it prints it right on the board too so they've done a really nice job of reminding you of everything that's going on and then one of the options they're going to have is you'll be able to change the card faces to the classic which i assume is the the printed retail copy of the game what those cards look like because they kind of changed the look a little bit but it still looks nice it, it looks almost like a watercolor style to them but to have that classic card that you're used to seeing would be nice as an option that you can turn on, which it looks like it's coming, but it's not in there yet. Yeah. Okay. So 
that's Red 7, it's two ninety nine, and it's Universal, and I think that's everything for episode 205. Uh, yeah, that's all I have. To everyone listening, we hope you enjoyed, and we'll talk to you next time. Talk to you later.